Rhea, and welcome to Was That Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from kinks to long-distance dating and everything in between. Today's guest is Zachary Zane. Thank you so much, Zachary, for jumping on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Where are you located, actually? I'm actually located in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, nice. Okay. How is how is quarantine going over there? Um, I mean, okay. It's I know New York is somewhat the epicenter, but as I'm kind of staying in my apartment, I don't really see what's going on. It's not like I'm going and actually in the hospitals or outside. So for me, I'm just kind of here. Yeah. Are the grocery stores and stuff like that crazy for you guys as well? Like with insane lines and all that? It's not too bad. I, I don't think I've waited more than like 15 minutes to get in. And then once you're inside, it's a pretty peaceful process. Yeah, I feel like it was insane in the very beginning and it was it felt very apocalyptic and now everybody's kind of just like gone to the rhythm of like there's a little line, everybody wears their mask, everything's fine. Yeah, it's not like we're necessarily eating any more than we were. So Yeah. It's that like there's the same amount of food, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. So um if you don't mind, would you um tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? Sure. Uh, So my name is Zachary Zane. I'm a writer, speaker, and activist. I have two sex columns right now. The first one is at Men's Health, and it's called Sexplain It, and it's a sex advice column. And the second sex column I have is a sex dating relationship column, and that's like Queer Majority. And I share stories of my personal life and what I learned, and I kind of relate that to larger culture. And I'm also a brand ambassador for B-Vibe, which is a luxury uh, butt stuff store, for lack of better words. But they sell like, the best, um, like uh, butt plugs and butt plugs that stimulate a rimming, which I'm absolutely obsessed with. Yeah. And anal beads and all that good stuff. Oh, I love that. I did it. We did almost an entire episode on butt stuff a couple months ago and how it feels like it's having this like resurgence right now and people are like becoming more comfortable with like talking about it and getting into it because it's become more popular in like mainstream media and like, you know, TV shows and and even in like music and stuff like that. And it's very exciting for people who already love butt stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean resurgence almost like implies that there was initially a something I didn't know if there was initially a something but I just love that it is definitely stronger than ever right now uh yeah yeah you're right here and I really like that yeah for sure so uh your column uh sex planet is more of like you get questions from men's health readers and it's more of an advice column and then the other one is about your personal experiences exactly yes Got it. So I'm guessing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, are all the questions lately kind of quarantine related? Um, no, actually not really. Um, I I think, huh, actually not really at all. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely surprises me. I'm trying to think what I've been answering. Um, I think I've maybe gotten a few questions that I just didn't get to because I try to answer questions that are somehow like different or unique, or at least I can give like very actionable advice with the information that they give me. You know, right. if they give me something that's kind of vague, Hey, me and my partner are fighting in quarantine. What can I do? It's like, okay, you could have kind of just Googled that. You don't necessarily. Right. Um, so I really try to give like some more in-depth answers. And I guess I haven't really gotten any 
specific quarantine related questions that I could really like do something with yet. They've all been like, Hey, like I'm having less sex in quarantine. Is this normal? And I'm like, yeah, you're depressed and shit's going on. Like it's, it's not a fun time to be sexually active, you know, like you might not be. In yeah. Um, well, it's, it's funny. Cause I was even going to say from your experience, it's like, how are couples doing this during this time? Because I feel like it's such uncharted territory, whether you're like no matter what stage of a relationship you're in, whether you're kind of like in the very beginning stages and then this hit, or you've been together for six months, you've been together for five years, everybody's kind of like navigating this very new space to be in with a partner. I think people are going to come out of this either stronger or broken up. I, I, yeah. I think just adding all these pressures really kind of give you a sense of, am I compatible with this person? Can this person, um, you know, really help and support me when I'm not feeling my best? Are we able to exist in the same space, but still have our alone time? Um, just everything's kind of in a pressure cooker right now. So I speak to some couples who are just like, I'm going to fucking, oh, can I curse? I should have asked. Oh, you can, yeah, we can say literally anything we want. <laughs> uh, it's like, I'm going fucking insane. I don't know what to do. Um, and then certain people are just like, yeah, like it's not, necessarily fun but I'm actually doing really well with my partner and I'm like excited so um no matter what it is I think it offers some level of clarity for a lot of people which in a way is good yeah I absolutely agree I feel the same way I feel like I have friends and people who have written into the podcast who are weirdly enough kind of thriving in their love life right now and I I've actually had friends who started you know who, who are friends with someone or maybe had like a very initial attraction and it's almost even become a relationship during the quarantine my my one worry with that and I'm not sure if I'm just being pessimistic is like are these relationships that are doing that were a little bit more in the early stages that are now doing better than ever, are they thriving because we kind of are sharing this mutual experience and will that continue to last after this is over? Is it like a version of quarantine cuffing? <laughs> it's like cuffing yeah. quarantine style. Yes. It's, I mean, it, as long as they're both kind of on the same page about it it's fine they might think right now it's going to be something more than it is and then they finish and they both realize uh, okay no this was really nice and helped me get through this thank you I'm carrying on my merry way it'll yeah. uh, only become an issue if both if people are not on the same page where one person's like oh my god this was amazing I feel so close with you and the other person's like no you helped me get through this but actually now I want to be free and yeah that would suck or or, or there's the option that they actually do build this basis and have this really great connection that continues. Um, but I, I have no, I mean, I feel like we have no way of really predicting um, how these things are going to turn out, how these relationships are going to turn out. I know it's so tough. I've heard, and, and there was that, that op-ed that came out um, last week and I've heard numerous people who were like, you know, my roommate's looking really cute lately. And I'm like, no, please don't stop it now. If you're randomly just now attracted to them out of nowhere, it's probably because you're just spending a lot more time with them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're going to uh, have to deal with the fact that you had sex with your roommate when this is over. <laughs> it's uh, another piece, actually. There, I think there were a, just a lot of uh, Google searches about this as of recently. So I ended up kind of being assigned to Pete, like a piece like, should you have sex with your roommate? And I kind of did like quarantine related, not quarantine related. And I'm like, 
No, of course you shouldn't. And you know you Never. should. But like, <laughs> you're already thinking about it and you're probably going to do it. Like if you're already yeah. to the point where you're Googling it, like it's just so high stake and so unnecessary, but like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it and hopefully navigate it afterwards. It's not super awkward, but like, no, of course you shouldn't. Pretty much that's, it's all, it's all, even out of quarantine, like you said, it's almost never a good idea. It's like, you just, then you're stuck, then you're stuck. And it's, 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 it almost is always messy. And I'm sure once in a while, it's this nice fairy tale where it's like, we realized that we were in love. But the, the more realistic side of me is like, there are plenty of fish in the sea. Please don't do this to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the Zoom orgy. Please. Uh, so would you mind explaining a little bit about how that even, how it came to be? Did you have the idea and then you were able to just kind of execute? Oh no. So I, I was hired. I, it wasn't my, uh, idea to do the Zoom orgy. Okay. Um, so I was a host. Um, Got it. And the way, so it was, uh, through New Society for Wellness, which is like, um, a sexual adventurers club, I think is what they call it, but it's just like a sex and weed club. And it's been something that I've been really involved with probably since moving to New York about three years ago. And I've met a lot of friends there and they do a lot of educational programs too about like how to have an open relationship, how to live a shameless life, how to explore kink, stuff like that. So I've been on the edge oh, of the informational side and kind of been to the sex parties. Um, but they were trying to move their sex parties uh, virtually, you know, trying yeah. to gain business and adapt and evolve amid this pandemic. And so they, they had started doing some of these and specifically they asked me to host uh, frat, which was a, a party that I'd been to um, like IRL something they threw and it was specifically their queer male party Okay. as kind of a, the, the frat theme is like the hosts are usually like the pledge masters and it's kind of this like hazing thing. Um, okay. You kind of like haze the boys and you're, and you're teasing them and having them do like totally gay things, but it's super straight, bro. You know, like stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they were trying to move that kind of to the digital experience. And so they asked me if I would host. Uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't necessarily, they didn't have like the pledge master um, aspect kind of this time. It was just more a queer virtual sex party. Yeah. Uh, for men but yeah uh it was something uh I'll, i guess i'll let you ask specific questions before i kind of continue on rambling here so did was there a cap on the amount of people that were able to kind of purchase tickets yeah um so for the frat initially they didn't reach the cap and then they did kind of this all-inclusive one they reached the cap on that um just because you know, if you're doing a Zoom, let's say, you just can't have, like, 60 people in it. Right. Um, but you, you actually can have a lot. And um, I think that's kind of what they're realizing. I don't want to speak on behalf of NSFW. Like, I was just hosting their event. The last right. one was sold out. And I think it, it went so smoothly, even though there were a ton of people in it. I think they could just increase it to more people. So before this, they were only doing in-person sex parties. And this was kind of their first kind of, like, dive into doing something digital uh yeah yeah absolutely interesting did you feel like in your experience as the host that it's something that could work even after quarantine is over and people are able to have in-person sex parties i i think it could i i think also it is a um people are kind of getting their toes wet i think people who wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable going to a 
sex party IRL might be like, okay, I'm happy to do this virtually. And, you know, there are certain situations where, like, you don't necessarily have to share, you don't necessarily have to have sex. You could just be watching, you know, you don't even necessarily yeah. have to show your face. So it's a really safe way to be a part of this community um, in a way that, you know, maybe going to a real sex club uh, might not be. But also it's, you know, this club is based in New York and as, you know, any club is based in a single location and, you know, there are people from Seattle, there are people from Argentina, there are people from like all over the world. And that was wow. a cool aspect that like you're able to connect and meet with people who don't just live in your city. So that, that was actually pretty cool. And I think, you know, I think for something, you know, on a Saturday night, I still think I want to go to a IRL sex party, but on a Tuesday night, I'm going to wake up at seven 30 the next day for work, but to maybe have, you know, something from nine to midnight and I can hop in for an hour or two. That sounds really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's where I was going to ask. It's so interesting. I was cuz I was going to say obviously um they're if they're IRL it's in New York, but it you guys let it be open to people all over the world, not even just even in the United States, which is so interesting that people from like you said Argentina were able to kind of connect and be at a sex party with someone from Seattle, someone from New York, someone from LA or wherever they were. Yeah. It, it was cool. And it, and it really does. It's yeah, I got nothing else to add. It was really cool. Yeah, that is so awesome. And like, I mean, that's what I was going to say too, was like for somebody who maybe has always been interested in going to a sex party, but maybe they're too nervous. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but I was invited to my first sex party this year and I wasn't able to attend. But one of the things that I think, first of all, it was a queer femme sex party, which I think was really helpful for me to be able to be surrounded by women. Like that was something that made me feel really comfortable with the possibility of doing it for the first time. Um, But another thing was that voyeurs were welcome, which I know is not always um, a possibility at a sex party. And I think that that also made it really kind of more enticing for me as a first timer to be able to go and just kind of watch and decide in the moment if I wanted to participate. And I think that's something that's really appealing about a virtual sex party. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, somebody who's never done it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I honestly, I hope it continues because, like, I mean, like we talked about, I feel like for somebody who's very new to that world, or even you know, maybe coming into their sexuality or anything like that, anybody who has any sort of kind of like nervousness about going in, it's it's such a good it's such a good way to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's, I mean, wow, I love that. I hope that they continue to do them. Do you know if they're doing them on like a weekly or monthly basis now? The virtual parties? Yeah. Oh, they're like, I mean, they're different clubs doing it for sure. But I think NSFW is doing like, I think like two a week, maybe even three sometimes, but it's between like one and three a week. They're um, definitely a demand for it right now. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Um, so another thing I kind of wanted to talk about and, and I mean, slightly tied to quarantine, but, um, one of the things in your bio that I noticed was that you talk a lot about, um, ethical non-monogamy. Yes. Yes, I and do. Non-monogamy has been a huge, another thing, kind of how we talked about butt stuff, but one of the, and one of those things that I feel like is being talked about a lot more in the past few years and people are becoming more comfortable with it and more open with kind of being open and letting that be a conversation with their partners about that possibility. Um, and I'm wondering right now, and I'm not sure if you've had any experience or no, but like non-monogamy during this time, like how are couples doing it? And I know that there are some people who are together and it's not, 
necessary for them to be going out and being non-monogamous, but for couples who, who do feel like it's an important part of their relationship, like how do you navigate that during this time? It's actually wrote a piece on this for new now next, uh, which is like Viacom's LGBTQ site. Um, and the piece I only interviewed were the people who are having more drama with their relationship because it made for a more compelling piece. But I also spoke to people that were not, you know, so the way it kind of worked out a lot of people, you end up being either all quarantined together, Mm -hmm. uh, quarantined, you know, with one partner and not the other ones. And it would really suck if you're the person who's quarantined, you know, alone when, when the yeah. other people were together. Um, and it's been, I mean, it kind of depends. It's with everything. But some people, you know, who are having the drama, like one of them was like the three of us have actually never been together. And one person kept on feeling left out because there was a lot of inside jokes happening and a lot of referencing other things that they had done together and not with the third person. And they were yeah. even about getting a divorce after all this you know and it really blew up um there was one partner and she spoke about how like she had two boyfriends and one of them was like I feel really secondary right now and she's like actually you are like I realized that kind of this is more hierarchical than I realized and he was like I don't want to be secondary and so they broke up um but then you just have other people, you know, who are navigating it. You know, you still Zoom or FaceTime the third person you're not with. You still text them. You, If you're in a throuple, it's maybe a little bit easier because you're still, you're all three of you are kind of together. But, you know, if it's not a triangle shape, but something else, um, you know, you still kind of do the same things that you've always done and always navigated being ethically non-monogamous. You've always navigated yeah. your also being with someone else not having all this time for you and you've always been really good at time management to begin with so let's say you have multiple different partners yeah you schedule FaceTime dates the way you would do regular dates so in a way I would almost argue that ethically non-monogamous people are even more equipped to kind of handle something like this I mean that makes sense right because you do have to overly communicate more than than a couple who's in uh, a monogamous, re- not maybe not more, but I mean, kind of. You you have to navigate more personalities, more people's feelings, and things like that. So it, it makes sense that they would be more well equipped to deal with something like this. Yeah, and I feel like uh, you know, if you succeed in being ethically non-monogamous, you've been more open, you've been more communicative, you've been more introspective about your feelings, and you've already been kind of working on a lot of the things that would be maybe difficult to navigate now in quarantine anyway. Yeah. Um, not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Do you feel like and and I don't know if you're if you're getting this especially like I said from the advice side or anything like that. But do you feel like people and I don't know because I'm getting so many more people who just seem more interested in the podcast, more people listening, and more questions. I feel like in general, it feels like right now people are more interested in sex more than ever. And I'm not sure if it's because people are hornier or sexually frustrated because, you know, if they're single, they're not able to go out. But I feel like more people right now during this quarantine are more interested in sex and sex podcasts and sex columns more than ever. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm seeing, uh, I don't know what the difference is. You know, I'm always writing about this stuff and, you know, I write for men's health. So it's, um, I don't necessarily see a huge uptick, uh, and stuff like this, but I think, 
I think there's a few things going on. I think the first one, I wrote about this uh, like right off the bat and I kind of coined it the apocalyptic hornies, but I'm like, there was something going on more than just, hey, we're bored and we're sexual and we have more time on our hands. There's actually this idea, and I was talking to a researcher, Justin Miller, who works at the Kinsey Institute and he was pulling up this research about how when people like have this existential dread, they often get hornier. Um, there's also this idea of like, you know, the world's ending. I might as well text my ex. Um, <laughs> like there, there's all, there's all these, and then boredom I think is a huge factor. And then being sexually yeah. frustrated is a huge factor. Um, but I think, you know, if you want it to be right now, could be a really great time to explore and be reflective uh, in terms of what you want sexually. Maybe that's just, you know, experimenting with a ton more sex toys and sex toy sales have like skyrocketed in the past two months. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and just, you know, masturbating in a different way where maybe you're edging yourself, you're doing it from a different position, you're doing prostate play, you know, trying to figure out new and different things that you like sexually, because you literally could take an hour to masturbate if you wanted to. A lot of people do have the time now. Um, and the same thing, like sexually dating relationships, I think, you know, I broke up with my partner in October and hadn't hasn't really been dating. I kind of, when things fall in my, into my lap, I kind of see certain people. We've always been yeah. casual and I kind of make that very clear that I'm not necessarily looking for something serious um, with them. I, I, I always kind of make that clear too. And it's just like, eh, I'm not looking for anything serious. It's like, I, I'm not, but also if you were the right person, I probably would be. So I always right. like, I'm looking for anything serious with you, uh, which yeah. is you know, harsher, but more honest. Um, but, you know, after this, uh, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to actually go on more of an actual date. You know, I've had, like, sex dates, and maybe we'll hang out after we have sex and watch TV and cuddle. But, like, let yeah. me go out to dinner with someone. Let me get coffee. Let's go dancing. Um, not someone who I've immediately hopped into bed with. And I feel like, okay, I've been reflecting on the type of person I want to be in my relationship, what I want sexually, what I'm ready to give um, moving forward. And so I think a lot of us hopefully have put in that work in order to come out of this like right for sex dating relationships. So maybe seeing the uptick is reflective of like, okay, I'm using this time to reflect. Uh, now that I'm lonely, let's make sure I'm not lonely after this is done. Yeah, that is so interesting because even in, in my relationship, it's like I've I've I have had a hard time putting it into words because I don't want to I don't want to come out and be like quarantine has been a, you know or whatever this this pandemic has been amazing for my relationship because obviously this is like you know it's a serious thing and and people are suffering and all that but it's like I have noticed that like the emotional like maybe some of the barriers and issues that we were dealing with before we are being able to break down more and it's interesting that you say it's like maybe it's just because we have more time to be more reflective and kind of really work through those things and like we've said like I love you for the first time which was like a long time coming because we've been together for like almost a year and stuff like that and it's like all these things that I'm like wow we're like really crushing like what is what is how we're really crushing it right now but it makes sense that it's like when because what we're doing is we'll, we'll quarantine together for like you know 10 days or whatever and then we'll go off for a little so we have some time to to be apart and take a break from each other and it's like during that time I'm able to be like oh interesting like this is what worked during those 10 days this is what didn't work like this is what I want to say and maybe what I haven't been able to so it, it yeah it's interesting that we've kind of all been able to reflect and like you said hopefully come out of it better better partners yeah and I think one thing and this is, it sounds like this is an issue with you but I've 
kind of receive this comments is people feeling guilty that their relationship is thriving or that they're thriving in quarantine. Yeah. And like definitely don't. Uh, like it, it's okay to be thriving right now. It's okay for your relationship to be strong. It's okay that you're actually being really productive right now when a lot of people are struggling to be productive. Um, yeah, I've spoken to some people who are just embarrassed to admit that like, actually, this has been great for me. But it's like, if it's been great, it's been great. Uh, maybe don't rub it into other people's faces, but like, there's, don't feel shame for your relationship getting stronger uh, while you're in quarantine. Yeah, that's true. You're right. I definitely just need to accept that it's okay that things are going well. I mean, I, I, it's better than things, you know, not going well. And like you said, blowing up and, and breaking up or whatever. So I'll, I should just take it at face value for what it is. <laughs> for sure. Um, it's also interesting that you were saying that people are, you know, probably exploring more in terms of masturbating. Because one of the very first episodes I did um, post-quarantine was I did an episode all about um, solo sex and masturbation. Obviously, it was kind of like a big topic right off the bat of all this happening. And what I did was I had uh, listeners send in voice memos of like their masturbation stories and just experiences and the things that they like. And so many of them, and I feel like this kind of goes full circle um, because I know that you're um, an, a bisexuality advocate. So many of my listeners were younger males who were like, I am exploring my sexuality in a way that I never have before. And I'm exploring butt stuff that I've never felt comfortable doing. And so it's interesting. And, and it makes me wonder if people who have been struggling with their sexuality are going to be able to kind of like use this time, as we're saying, to reflect and maybe come out of it with a maybe a more clearer understanding of, of where they stand in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I want to make, oh God, I've never heard myself referred to as a bisexuality advocate. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, you're a bisexual icon. I feel like that sounds better. Um, I love that. No, but bicon for short, the portmanteau. But no, so it's, especially for that, I, I do want to make it like abundantly clear that obviously if you're into anal play and you're a man, that doesn't even make you bi or gay, right? right? You know, we've right. met a prostate. It's this pleasure center with so many thousands of nerve endings and it feels incredible. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, no, it is a good time to stick shit up your ass, you know, like why not? Like you're in quarantine. I know like I, I review sex toys, so I get a gajillion coming my way at any point, but like, yeah. so I like literally have hun like a hundred sex toys and I try to give away the new ones. I don't feel comfortable being like, Hey, I used this once. Eh, it's okay. I watched it, but no, enjoy. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah. I, I mean, I've been just trying out new things and like, uh, and, and there's always more. I think that's also what I'm realizing. It's like, I'm a sex writer. I'm a sex columnist. I've been shoving shit up my ass for many years and having, yeah. I've had sex with God, a thousand people. Like, I don't even fucking know, you know, like, yeah. and it, it's always surprising that there's always more to learn and there's always different things that you like and enjoy. And that's, Hey, thank God, because otherwise I would have felt like I've done everything and then that's it. I'm done with sex. Right. All of it now. But, but there always is more, which I think is so cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you have, any, I mean, in your experience, a sex toy that you would recommend for somebody who maybe wants to try solo butt play for the first time and doesn't necessarily know where to start? 
Um, yeah, so absolutely. So I would do, so one thing I love, uh, I'm trying to think, and they have like small sizes of this as well, okay. is, is the B-Vibe rimming plug. And so it's a butt plug and it's small okay. inside of you, but the actual base of it, kind of where before the stopper is, actually has ridges and will move side to side to stimulate rimming. Oh, wow. Um, so, and to my knowledge, it is the only toy that kind of stimulates rimming. Um, yeah, and I think just it, it's it's a pretty, you know, even though it kind of sounds fancy, it is, if you get the small size, it's a simple toy. It's something that vibrates inside of you. Let's just get comfortable with that. And then kind of a little treat, you also get this kind of uh, stimulation around your, like, actually opening of the anus, which feels really good, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think definitely, uh, I, I always enjoy sex toys that have vibrations. I, I think it just takes everything up to a new level. I also think for me, it actually allows me to insert more inside of me. So maybe you're super new to this, like you can't help clenching, even though you definitely should not be clenching, you're trying to breathe. But when things feel better and the vibrations just tend to loosen me um, up a little bit so I think that's kind of a little helpful tip if you're particularly new to it as well that's good to know and then I mean I would I would love to be able to link that after this for anybody who's interested so I'm gonna have to grab that from you after this for sure I feel like that's a big question I get all the time is 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 a man who is maybe straight or you know maybe he's not but he's still never kind of explored that and like it's like where do you start so I think that seems like a perfect one for that I mean, honestly, all B-Vibes toys are great because they specifically focus on butt stuff. Like, like yeah. that's the whole thing. So, like, uh, they, they've kind of got that down so you can see a little bit what's more appealing. But for me, um, especially if you're, if you're new to it, just, like, a vibrating butt plug, I think, is a perfect place to start. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So I'm glad that we've kind of, like, gotten to the point that obviously liking butt stuff and liking – anything like that has nothing to do with your sexuality. But um, like I've said, I feel like one of the things I've gotten a lot is um, men who have kind of taken this time to, to reflect. I'm sorry. To realize that they actually are bi or gay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, they fall somewhere that's not just straight. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really been interesting for me to be like, wow, you know, like, and like we've talked about, I guess it's just like, being able to kind of take that time to reflect and be alone and maybe not be around friends or outside sources that kind of might influence you. But it's, it's interesting to me because so many of them come to me and they're very, very kind of confused and just like, don't really know what to do. And I was wondering if as someone who is, as we've just said, a bicon, do you have a lot of guys who kind of come to you when they first realize that they might be bisexual and are kind of navigating that? Because I talked about this a lot on the podcast, but I feel like even now in 2020 for men, it is, it's difficult to be bisexual. I mean, I have women friends who I've considered to be, you know, for, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, woke or whatever, or not even woke, but just like accepting and, you know, young and, and very much like cool with everything. But they're like, oh, I don't know if I would date a guy who's bisexual. And I'm like, where does that come from? It's, it's very interesting to me, but it's made me wonder for these guys who have kind of come to me and been confused like how difficult that must be and I'm sure you get people all the time kind of looking to you for advice in that regard oh I've gotten hundreds of guys reaching out to me um 
being like, hey, I think I might be bi, I might be homoflexible, and whatever, however they want to label it, because sometimes, you know, labels can either be very empowering, when it's like, okay, I feel welcome, and part of this community, yeah. or it can just kind of be terrifying, um, and actually inhibit your behavior, um, so, you know, if the term bi, you know, the, just the bi label itself has so many negative connotations associated with it, that I feel like, almost like if we just picked another word and started with that better but so you know don't focus on the labels is always why I try to tell them you know let's focus on your attractions and try to figure that out and um allow to explore uh, allow yourself to explore a little bit but um I mean it really depends what they're asking from me you know being by I I created my life in a way around being by um, uh, by writer at a column at bisexual.org, which has, you know, over a million followers on Facebook. And that was, you know, I, I created a community and surround myself with other people who are by affirming. That's one of the reasons why I love NSFW. It's one of the few spaces I can go to. That's not a gay space or a straight space. It is right. actually a queer space. And I don't feel like I'm, you know, uh, straddling those two worlds. But I live in New York and, you know, there's still women who don't want to date me. Um, uh, Most women don't want to date me, especially straight women. And they believe these negative stereotypes about by man that, you know, that they're secretly gay or they're going to cheat them or they're like going to leave them for a guy or they're greedy. They're confused. uh, They spread STIs, all this stuff. And it's, it's tough. I, I really sympathize, you know, for the people who don't live in, you know, coastal cities. I got messages from people who live in Bumblefuck, Idaho, just oh being, God. I think I'm bi and I, and I don't know what to do. And almost I'm like, just move to New York. You know, like I really do yeah. recommend, like it, it is going to be tough being there. Um, you know, try, try to find, you know, a, a gay scene, a queer scene. But luckily, you know, there are so many more digital spaces right now, even before quarantine, for bi people, for people who are confused or exploring or not sure where their attractions stand. And, you know, like Reddit, honestly, like has such great support groups for stuff Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's difficult to navigate. And I, I took years for me to come out as bi after I hooked up with my first guy. I would think I was gay and then I think I was straight. And, you know, when yeah. I, I'm a little bit older, but like, when I was Googling bisexuality, when I was a freshman in college, bisexual man, nothing would come up except HIV articles. Bi and gay men research about HIV. That was it. Wow. Um, and now, whatever it is, 10 years later, like you type in bi men and there's actually just articles about being a bi man that have nothing to yeah. do with HIV. So there was no visibility whatsoever uh, when I was confused. And that's why then every gay man... Every person I knew in college, the men who identified as bi came out as gay shortly after. Oh. So I just genuinely did not know a single open man that came out as bi. And then I end up seeing this therapist when I moved to Boston after school. Uh-huh. And kind of in my second session, I was going on my kind of rant about like, I think I'm gay. I think I'm straight. I'm confused. And he's like, you know, a lot of people come in here confused. You don't sound confused. It sounds like you like men and women and you're figuring yeah. out the extent to which you like men. You might not want to date them. You might only be physically attracted to them, but you like men to some degree. Why do you keep saying you're confused? Yeah. I was like, I, I don't know. And he's like, it just sounds like you're bi. 
And I said, you know, does bisexuality actually exist in men? And I remember him saying, Zach, you're too smart to think that. Wow. Um, but I, I just like, you know, when you, when you, when there's no visibility, uh, you just think that you're so alone and you just kind of don't feel completely like yourself in gay spaces or completely like yourself in straight spaces. You feel like you don't have a community. You feel like you're being ostracized from both. You know, I get flack from my gay friends for being bi, I get like for liking women. Yeah. Um, you know, like if my straight friends made anything about me liking men, they'd actually be homophobic and that'd be pretty shitty but like you know what I mean but also men are able to kind of get away with it more but it's like no it's fucked up um and a lot of them are fine with me being bi almost in theory but then when I start dating a woman or talk about a woman that I've had sex with and I want to bring them around all of a sudden they get very uncomfortable when it's like oh this is actually a thing um but yeah it's it's difficult you know it's tough to navigate people don't necessarily want to date you you're uh, straddling these different worlds yeah but you do, I don't want to make it sound like it's all terrible. It's also fucking amazing. You know what I yeah. mean? Once you're able to find your community, once you are open and accepting, and the bi community, there are more people identifying as bi now than they ever were before. Yeah. And more people are admitting they're, that they're attracted to multiple genders than they ever were before, that they're on the spectrum than, every, than they ever were before. And I think this always existed, but people are now feeling more comfortable and confident, like admitting that they have, you know, not just an attraction to like, the opposite gender or a, a different gender yeah absolutely and so there there is slowly becoming a more vibrant community uh there's stuff online and what i learned almost in terms of just starting to talk about being bi was you'll talk to so many people who are like oh yeah i have a boyfriend or oh yeah i have a girlfriend and i'm actually bi too i guess i've never really used those words they'll say things like this and you realize, holy shit, you know, there's a lot of fucking people who are bi out there. They're just not necessarily vocal about it. Right. So yeah. you'll be able to find your friends. You'll be able to find your community. And then it's fucking fun to, you know, date and be attracted to everyone. You know, that's kind of a cool yeah. thing. Like have that option. Um, so, you know, it, to me, it really is. I, I do feel like, I don't want to sound like hashtag blessed, but like <laughs> I, I do, I, I love the fact that I'm able to kind of see the beauty in everyone and can be attracted to all genders. I really think it has enriched my life, even though definitely there have been times where it's been a struggle. Yeah. And it's so nice to, you know, I think for listeners who are struggling to hear that there's like light at the end of the tunnel and that it can, you can look at, look at it in this like, Oh, this is actually fucking dope that I, you know, get to have this huge dating pool and I don't have to be kind of, you know, hindered by having, you know, an attraction to one type of person. I remember, and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but I, I, I dated someone who had identified as straight um, most of his life, all of his life. And um, he ended up, and it's always this weird thing where I almost feel weird saying it, but I guess technically, because we, ha- we had set that boundary, cheated on me with a guy. Mm-hmm. But he, because it affected him so much, because it was his first time doing it, and it was this thing where he, I think, had kind of, controlled that side of him for so long that it came out and he just did it on a whim I I couldn't even be upset at him I had to kind of just like almost accept it and then start helping him deal with it because it was it was worse for him than it was for me because it became this thing where he was like oh my god what does this mean like am I gay now like I cheated on you with a guy I don't know what that means I I I didn't and and I had found out he didn't tell me so he was like I was planning on never telling anyone and it was just going to be this thing that was kept secret and I was like 
you are, you are like, you're, you are making this so much worse on yourself. Like you, it's, it's obviously you did, you know, did something in, in the relationship aspect that we can like work through, but like in terms of like who the gender that you did it with, it's fine. Like that doesn't change anything. And he was like, he was more worried that I was going to be upset that he had hooked up with a guy than that he had hooked up with anyone at all during our relationship. And 99.9% of women would be that way. And you, you are, you are the such a minority for how you responded so openly and understanding. And you're right. He was going a shit ton of, through a shit ton of stuff and you were very kind and accepting to do that. He also did cheat on you. You know what I mean? And right. so you're yes. going to your anger and frustration as well. But it's like, no, it, it's, it, it was a rough fucking few years of figuring out who I'm attracted to. Um, and also you said one thing and I just want to make it clear because also even though in theory your pool is much larger because of so much people, so many people being unwilling to date by people, your pool actually is significantly smaller. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. That's, I didn't think about it like that. But like because, you know, if 90% of women won't date a bi guy, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it does, doesn't really matter. But yeah, no, you, you had such an understanding and caring thing and he was definitely going through a fucking struggle. And when I hear men saying stuff like this, I'm always just like, you're going to have to break up. Like I told him, break up with your partner before you do this or talk to your partner about it. Being like, Hey, I'm finding this attraction to other people. I don't know what to do, but you know, with someone like you, you know, it's beautiful for him to be open. But again, we have to prepare for often, you know, the 99% of people who will be like, fuck you, you faggot. What the fuck does this mean? Are you gay now? Cause that is the majority of responses. Which is insane. And I think I'm sure it helped too that I am bisexual and I had been bisexual and open about it for so, like since high school. So I was able to kind of help him in that way of being like, you've never given a shit that I'm bisexual. Why would I care if you were? And it took him so long to be able to like understand like, you know, that, that I can feel the same way toward him that he can feel about me. But because like you said, he had only ever, you know, talked to women or heard about it being this very big issue because he was a man that's what he was expecting but I was like how hypocritical would it be that I am able to go and have these attractions to these people but I wouldn't accept that in you it's there even some by women I think it was Amber Rose I don't know if she changed her mind but in a podcast maybe three four years ago um she said even herself being bi she wouldn't feel comfortable dating a bi man wow Um, so like it it just the stigma that by there are different stigmas you know between men and women who are bi but even um male bisexuality in general i just feel like is so much less accepted than female bisexuality not that female bisexuality there aren't a myriad of you know stigmas and problems that come with it as well yeah no absolutely but like you said i mean hopefully you know in five years that changes the way that it has changed over the past five years and and we can just continue to progress but i think it helps to have someone like you who can talk about it and be open and be like listen i'm i'm i went through a really really hard time and it's not always been easy but there is like like i said light at the end of the tunnel for for people who are kind of struggling and not really sure absolutely there really is um and not to say you know there's always the trip that it gets better. It sometimes gets worse before it gets better. You know what I mean? Right. You know, if you're dating someone and they break up with you, your family kicks you out, all this stuff. I don't want to make it seem like you come out and automatically everything is fucking the weights lifted from your shoulders. For me, that was the case. A lot of it was because I had a very accepting family and I'm very lucky. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, even if you don't have that, you might have this initial struggle and it might be a little bit harder, but then eventually once you rebuild and you rebuild with your chosen family and the community and surround yourself with people who love you and accept you and embrace you, it really is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I will have all of Zachary's information in the link below, as well as the information. I'm sorry, say the name of the sex toy company one more time. B-Vibe. It's B-Vibe. B-Vibe. And I'll have all that information there as well. Like we talked about, this is a great time to be exploring your own body. So you might as well get some great sex toys to do that. Thanks again, Zachary. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode.